Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Everybody, good Thursday morning. There are major developments out of the Middle East. Another American freed the truce extended. It's November 30th. This is today. Heading home, an American mother of three released by Hamas. This morning, her father speaking out to NBC News. She was happy to see us. She missed us. While an agreement is reached to pause the fighting for at least one more day, but tensions remain high all across the region where they're live. Breaking overnight, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger passes away. His influence profound yet controversial, guiding presidents through Vietnam, the Cold War, and 9-11. We'll take you inside his remarkable rise to become one of the most powerful diplomats in American history. Dramatic rescues. You got it, you got it, you got it. Texas troopers pulling a migrant family out of the Rio Grande. We'll have the latest amid an overwhelming new surge at the southern border. Defiant message. Elon Musk lashes out at advertisers, leaving his social media company X. Go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Part of a combative interview addressing everything from anti-Semitism to the dangers of AI. We'll talk about what the billionaire had to say with the man who sat down with him. Those stories plus road hazard. More than half of drivers admitting to dangerous behavior behind the wheel. This morning, what's being done to keep everyone safe? And shining star. Three, two, one. Light her up. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree set aglow, ushering in the most wonderful time of the year. Today, Thursday, November 30th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. Uh, isn't she pretty? Thank you so much for joining us on, a, on this Thursday morning. What a special night we had last oh, night here at Rockefeller Center. That tree is right? so beautiful. We did it again. Had that annual tree lighting. Thought, why not come out this morning? Just yeah. take a good look. And we've got lots of our friends out here on the plaza. You know, it's a lot going on in the world. It's a nice reminder of the season and bringing people together. Yeah. With that in mind, we're going to get to our top story. It includes some new signs of hope. Here's a look at Gaza, where the truce between between Israel and Hamas has been extended for another day. That 11th hour deal, a positive sign for families of hostages still in custody. And it comes on the heels of another release. 16 more people freed, including American, American Liat Benin. She's a 49-year-old mother of three. This morning, though, her husband remains in captivity. For the latest on the truce, the hostages, and what's next, let's go right to NBC's Richard Angle. He's in Jerusalem with the very latest. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. The extension was obviously a positive development, but it was only expended by, extended by one day, which is less than the negotiators had been hoping for. And there are concerns that this ceasefire could be breaking down. 
Another American citizen this morning is free. Liat Benin, a mother of three, released by Hamas overnight. She's a guide at Israel's Holocaust Memorial, kidnapped during Hamas's October 7th massacre that killed 1,200 people. Her husband remains a hostage. She was in good spirits and she was happy to see us. She missed us. But what little momentum was building between Israel and Hamas to de-escalate this crisis is slowing down. Israel is frustrated by Hamas's lack of clarity on the hostages, including the Bibas family, Shiri and her two children, four-year-old Ariel and Kafir. At 10 months, the youngest hostage, taken on October 7th and becoming a national symbol of the horror. Now Hamas claims they were killed by a previous Israeli airstrike. The Israeli military said it's working to confirm that report. Tensions are rising. In Jerusalem this morning, two Palestinian gunmen, described by Israeli police as brothers from East Jerusalem, opened fire and killed three Israelis, including a 24-year-old woman and a 73-year-old man. Three others are in serious condition. Hamas claimed responsibility. And in the West Bank, Israeli troops killed two Palestinian boys during a raid in Jenin. Israel claims they were throwing explosives. Palestinians say the killings were unprovoked. Turning off the ceasefire has costs. For Gaza, where the Hamas-run health ministry says around 15,000 people have already been killed. And for Israel, potentially stopping the release of more hostages. Yahel and Nave were among six members of the Haran Avigdori family Hamas freed last weekend. Their father remains in Gaza. Nave is eight and a soccer fan. Yahel is three and has a big smile, but now only speaks in a whisper after being told by Hamas to stay quiet for 50 days, according to her relative, Shira Hebron. What has it been like for you and all the families each day waiting by the phone. It's been a nightmare. We have some air in our lungs finally because six of them have returned. Secretary Blinken is once again in Israel today trying to extend this ceasefire and convince Israel that if and when it resumes its military campaign against Gaza, to do more to avoid civilian casualties. Hoda, Savannah. All right, Richard Engel for us there in Jerusalem. Richard, thank you. We learned overnight that Henry Kissinger has passed away, a monumental figure in American diplomacy. As one of the most influential secretaries of state in history, he helped shape U.S. policy for decades. NBC's chief foreign affairs correspondent, Andrea Mitchell, joins us now. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. Henry Kissinger served Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. He was widely credited with shaping the nation's Cold War policy and opening the first doors with China. But the Nobel Prize winner was also heavily criticized for his actions during the Vietnam War. He came to America when his family escaped the Holocaust, rose to the highest levels of American statesmanship, and continued to advise presidents of both parties for decades after he left office. This morning, Henry Kissinger is being remembered as a towering figure in American diplomacy. I think we've made further progress. Brilliant and controversial, the former Secretary of State reshaped U.S. foreign policy under Presidents Nixon and Ford. With Nixon, he helped ease tensions with the Soviet Union and conducted secret negotiations with China, spearheading Nixon's historic trip to China in 1972. 
He also negotiated an end to the Vietnam War, but declared success prematurely, just days before the 1972 election. We believe that peace is at hand. Those negotiations won him the Nobel Peace Prize. But Kissinger had legions of critics, some calling him a war criminal for bombing Cambodia and prolonging the Vietnam War. Born in Germany in 1923, Kissinger's Jewish family fled the Nazis in 1938. He attended public schools in New York City, returned to Germany with the U.S. Army in World War II, and later earned a Ph.D. at Harvard where he became a professor. Attracting the attention of President Nixon, Kissinger first became his national security advisor, then Secretary of State, the only person to ever hold both jobs at the same time. There is no country in the world where it is conceivable that a man of my origins could be standing here next to the President of the United States. Kissinger's influence and charm made him an unlikely celebrity. He met the love of his life, marrying his wife Nancy, a top aide to then-Vice President Nelson Rockefeller. After leaving government, Kissinger traveled the world, advising heads of state and counseling U.S. presidents of both parties. He celebrated his 100th birthday in May before returning to China, the scene of his greatest diplomatic triumph, where he received a red carpet welcome from President Xi Jinping. And Andrea, I mean, even up to his final days, Kissinger remained relevant and active on the global stage. Incredibly. Uh, surely his greatest achievement was the opening to China, which transformed the global landscape so that the U.S. and China, not Russia, are now the world's two great economic and technological superpowers. The fact that he took that long trip to China in July at the age of 100 is truly remarkable. And in his meeting with President Xi, certainly helped lay the groundwork for President Biden's recent summit, which restored communications between the U.S. and China that had been in a dangerous freeze for the better part of a year. Kissinger was always pushing forward. In his final days, he was writing and speaking about artificial intelligence, which is remarkable. Savannah. Andrea, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's move now to the mounting pressure on lawmakers to expel scandal-plagued Congressman George Santos. The House could vote as early as tomorrow to remove him from office. NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake has the very latest. So, Garrett, what are we expecting here? Well, Hoda, Santos' Republican critics are confident that they finally have the votes they need to expel a member who they feel like has embarrassed their party ever since the moment he arrived on Capitol Hill. The final nail in Santos' political coffin, though, is likely to be that ethics report, which came out back before Thanksgiving, which laid out in sordid detail accusations he spent campaign funds on everything from his rent and his credit card bills to luxury retailers, Botox and OnlyFans. The report concluded that Santos had violated federal law and how rules to, quote, fraudulently exploit every aspect of his House candidacy for his own personal financial profit, all of which Santos has denied. Now, the speaker told reporters yesterday he has real reservations about letting this expulsion vote go forward without Santos actually having been convicted of anything, but he's encouraging members to vote their conscience. Hoda? All right. So, Garrett, what does happen if he gets expelled? Then what's the next step? Yeah, he'd only be the sixth House member ever to be expelled, so it would be historic, but the next steps are actually fairly straightforward. There would be a special election set for his seat in New York, which would be very closely watched, expensive, hard fought. It would likely favor Democrats, though, and that could shrink the Republicans' already slim majority in the House even further. And for Santos himself, he'd still face the 23 federal criminal charges against him, all related to his campaign. Hoda? All right, Garrett Hickforce there in D.C. Uh, Garrett, thank you. We turn 
and out of the border crisis, a new surge of migrant crossings is being reported by officials in several states. And we're seeing dramatic body cam footage from state troopers in Texas working to rescue multiple families on the Rio Grande. NBC's Morgan Chesky is with us this morning from San Antonio. Morgan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. And we have seen vans carrying migrant men, women and children arrive at this San Antonio shelter all night long. And it's really giving us a snapshot at what's happening nationwide. And I want to show you if they can't get in what the alternative is this morning, since this shelter is at capacity. Dozens of migrant families, men, women and children sleeping on sidewalks, doing whatever they can to stay out of the rain and the cold. That's all part of what authorities are calling a shift in migration trends now impacting states nationwide. You got it, you got it, you got it. A race to save lives on the Rio Grande. Texas state troopers pulling an unconscious migrant mother and her frightened kids to safety. The Marine unit confirming everyone here survived. But each encounter, adding to what officials are calling a shift in migration trends. At San Antonio's Migrant Resource Center, Officials say they've been at or over capacity for months. When the shelter opened, how many people were you planning for? Maybe we made the plans for 700 people a day. And now? We have now 1,000 people on average of all times here. Many asylum seekers here waiting to get into the country, but also missing their families back home. Mom Yaris Castillo telling me it's hard to leave your mom and dad and your siblings, admitting she cried a lot on the dangerous four-month journey from Venezuela. Today, her family facing an uncertain future. Official migrant encounter numbers aren't in yet for November, but they've risen so much. This week, Customs and Border Protection says they're redirecting resources in Texas and Arizona to, quote, assist the U.S. Border Patrol with taking migrants into custody. The crisis along the southern border is also impacting cities nationwide. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says up to 3,000 migrants are pouring into the city each week. This is the number one issue that's facing the city right now. And in a city that's already seen frigid temperatures, Chicago is setting up shelters and camps to deal with what the Illinois governor is calling a humanitarian crisis. Winter is here. We want to make sure they have some place to go. In Washington, lawmakers are hoping to strike a deal on the border. But so far, Republicans and Democrats have been unable to reach any agreement. It's been 37 years since there's been comprehensive immigration reform. And in that time, we've not seen the progress that we want, deserve, or need. Now, in response to Washington, Texas Governor Greg Abbott posted online saying that until President Biden secures the southern border, he will continue busing migrants to sanctuary cities. In the meantime, federal authorities say until those migrant numbers come down, the impact will stay put on those international crossings. Savannah. All right, Morgan Chesky in San Antonio. Thank you, Morgan. 714. Craig joins the table now with a story about how safe our roads are. Yeah. Hello to Savannah. Hey. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Fresh off that record-setting Thanksgiving travel period, we're getting an eye-opening new look this morning at safety on the nation's roads. AAA out with a new survey overnight that shows more than half of all drivers are engaging in some pretty dangerous behavior behind the wheel. NBC's Tom Costello covers aviation and transportation for us. Tom, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. This is I-270 here in Maryland. This is a major highway, very busy. We had a horrific accident here a month ago. A police officer suffered absolutely devastating injuries trying to stop a speeder who's going double the speed limit on the highway. 
Speed has become a major issue nationwide, and it has, as you know, devastating and deadly consequences. For drivers out here, things can go catastrophically wrong in a matter of seconds. And this morning, new figures suggest we have a long road to travel when it comes to making the streets even safer. With more than half of all drivers in a new AAA survey admitting they engage in bad behavior behind the wheel. It's unfortunate because I I think that we do things behind the wheel of our car that we wouldn't do in line at a grocery store. And lives are at stake when we're on the road. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says more than 19,000 people have been killed on the nation's roads just in the first half of this year. An alarming rate despite improvements over the last year and a half. And the most recent data shows speed contributes to about a third of traffic fatalities. Speed is the biggest factor that we see that leads to crashes. When you throw in a lot of folks behind the wheel distracted, whether it's with other passengers in the car or a cell phone, that's really a combination that's going to lead to some bad things and some careless things happening. Pennsylvania State Police say troopers issued more than 10,000 speeding citations over the recent Thanksgiving travel period. That's up 14 percent from the year before. While in Maryland, A Montgomery County police officer had to have both legs amputated after authorities say a teenager allegedly doing donuts and driving twice the speed limit intentionally hit the officer when he tried to stop him. AAA says while speeding is the most common behavior drivers admit to, about a third also say they've driven distracted or aggressively. These are behaviors that most people wouldn't admit to a friend or a neighbor, but we're willing to admit in this anonymous survey which means that they're almost certainly underestimates of really risky, dangerous, potentially life-altering behaviors. Okay, be honest. Everybody's been tempted to text while driving, but think about the consequences. If you take your eyes off of your phone for five seconds, that's the equivalent on a highway like this of going the length of a football field with your eyes shut. It's all the more reason to say, experts, we've got to put the distraction away, you guys. Wow. I didn't realize that. All right, Tom Costello for us. Tom, thank you. 718, time for a check of the weather. Mr. Roker, hey, Al. Hey, good morning, guys, and good morning to you. And if you're along the Gulf Coast, we got some problems for you today. Heavy showers and thunderstorms already firing up. And for our friends into south-central Texas, we've got the risk, an enhanced risk, of severe weather, especially around Houston. Tornadoes expected later today and this afternoon. So we're going to be watching this very, very closely. Now, later today, the drought actually could get helped in the Mississippi River Valley with these heavy showers and thunderstorms moving in, but they're also going to be windy conditions. Now, we do have a flood threat from Houston to Lake Charles, almost just to the west of uh, New Orleans, because this deep tropical moisture is going to be coming up and bringing in heavy rain at times, sometimes getting up to one to three inches of rain per hour. Tomorrow, that rain spreads into the northeast, but more heavy showers and thunderstorms continue to develop down along the panhandle of Florida. We are going to be looking at the heavier rain down around Louisiana, all the way into the panhandle of Florida, near Pensacola, anywhere two to four inches of rain. And that is your latest weather. Guys. Thank you, Al. Uh, Just ahead, Elon Musk 
speaking out. Uh, he's talking about everything from AI to his Twitter takeover, anti-Semitism controversy. He's got a stunning messages for company now leaving X. CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin led that discussion, and he'll tell us all about it. That's uh, a doozy. Plus, an eye-opening conversation with a survivor of the miracle in the Andes more than 50 years ago. Members of a rugby team stranded for months after their plane crashed forced to take desperate measures to stay alive. Well, what he is now revealing in the highly anticipated new film, putting that story back in the spotlight. But first on a Thursday morning, this is Today. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. tree is one thing and it's beautiful but carefree christmas everybody's talking it's all the rage everyone's everybody they're talking about it scooch over mariah carey (laughs) kelly clarkson you had your time now it's hoda and jenna and their new debut single carefree christmas do you know something that was shocking to all of us it charted on apple itunes wait wait top 10 wait there it is check it out Above the aforementioned Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. It's, Above share. It's catchy. It was for a brief moment in time. We saved that screen grab and we'll save it forever. Okay. There it is. Your first record. <laughs> there you go. From the upcoming extended EP. Yeah, there you go. You okay. can still download it. Uh-huh. I would also encourage you to watch the music video. Oh, the it's music wrong. video is very we cute. T- we put a lot into that. Yes. So, okay. I'm going to get it to the top of the charts. Meanwhile, uh, we do have a lot more to get to in this half hour, including Elon Musk in the spotlight speaking out. The billionaire businessman had a lot to say during a candid interview with CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin, including taking on accusations that he has amplified anti-Semitism on his social media company, X. We're going to actually talk to Andrew in just a moment. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa has details on this. Hey, Em, good morning. Good morning to you. You said it. It was a long and remarkably candid interview covering a wide range of topics from AI and unions to Tesla and SpaceX. And after apologizing for that controversial post, Musk had his strongest words for advertisers now leaving his platform. A defiant appearance by billionaire businessman Elon Musk. Go yourself. Is that clear? The richest man in the world speaking out in an interview with CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Dealbook Summit amid a firestorm of criticism over his inflammatory comments on social media. Earlier this month, Musk appeared to endorse an anti-Semitic post on X that accused Jewish communities of pushing hatred against white people, 
writing The Actual Truth, a response that unleashed a barrage of backlash from the White House to a wave of companies, including NBC's parent company Comcast, pulling their advertising from X, which reportedly could cost the social media platform up to $75 million. And Musk potentially adding fuel to the fire last night, emphatically scoffing at the advertiser boycott. If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. Musk appearing to specifically call out Disney CEO Bob Iger, who was also no, interviewed earlier. And by him taking the position that he took in quite a public manner, um, we just felt that the association with that position and, and Elon Musk and X was not necessarily a positive one for us. Last night, Musk did later admit an advertising boycott could kill the company and apologize for his original inflammatory tweet. I'm sorry for that 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 tweet or post. It was foolish of me. I tried my best to clarify uh, six ways to Sunday. He also recently traveled to Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and toured a kibbutz ravaged in Hamas's attack. Musk insisting it was not an apology tour. And separately in the interview, Musk voiced concerns about artificial intelligence, saying the developing tech is more dangerous than nuclear bombs and calling for more regulation. Just one of many head-turning comments last night, guys. All right, Emily, thank you. Well, let's bring in the man of the hour, CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin, who led that conversation with Elon Musk at the New York Times Dealbook Summit. Hello, Mm -hmm. Andrew. So, I mean, what did you make of that? You've covered Elon Musk a long time. Here he is in the middle of this fire. Advertisers fling his company X, Mm -hmm. formerly known as Twitter. And then he has some, um, he does not mince words, shall we I, you say. You know, I think we, it, was, it was fascinating. I was speechless when he made those remarks, the ones that have gone viral. <laughs> I do encourage people to see the whole thing because in many ways, I think you got to see the full Elon Musk. I think you saw that Elon Musk is many people. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see the Einstein and sort of Steve Jobs version of Elon Musk. You can see a, almost a demonic version of Elon Musk. And the idea is, the question is, can people, People hold all of these ideas in their head and can they be in the same person? What was so interesting to me was he kept saying, I don't care if I am Mm -hmm. uh, loved or I'm hated. But what I kept trying to get back to was, do you care about being trusted? Uh, Because ultimately, the advertisers need to trust you. The folks who are going to get in your vehicles need to trust you. The government that's paying for SpaceX, putting these uh, rockets in, need to trust you. And, and we, we were trying to grapple that, with that. And he was trying to grapple with that. Well, you talked about demonic, the demonic yeah. side. He talked about his own demons. Like, yeah. what did you glean about that part of him? Look, I think a lot of what drives him um, in very good ways and bad ways is a childhood. I mean, there was a moment where yeah. he was almost crying yeah. during this interview where you could really see uh, the demons that power a lot of this. And it was, it's sad. There is a, there is a depression under it. Um, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much about, and, and I can't diagnose it myself, but yeah. there is something that, that is driving him. And I think it's in many ways, it's productive. And in other ways it's, it's less productive. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about the world's richest man, $225 billion and his contributions to modern society are undeniable in yeah. so many ways. To your point, you've covered him for a long time. How do you think it plays out? I mean, how does this, where, where does this go for, from here for Elon Musk? I mean, does he tank X? Does it get sold? Does, like, how, right. how do you? So he likes to say he doesn't care and he was yeah. ready to, mm-hmm. he cares. He cares a lot. You can see it. You yeah. can physically see how much he cares. So I think, look, 
I think you're going to see great and amazing things happen along the way. And I also imagine you're going to see other things like and maybe X will ultimately fail. I don't know. But I think he's going to try uh, his heart to get this thing. In a way, it's the work. least of it. I mean, he it's has the least hands. It. It, you know, I mean, X it either yeah, right. succeeds. It doesn't succeed. You're talking about somebody who has an enormous influence in global right. affairs, yes. including things such as the war in Ukraine, because right. it's his satellite system. He can turn on or right. turn off. Yes. And that's how soldiers on the ground are able to fight. Or and we not talked fight. about but we talked about that, the power that he has yeah. and the leverage that he has. And it's interesting because he he has all that leverage in these physical systems that he owns but he doesn't have that leverage in 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 Twitter in X mm-hmm. it's a, it's a different mm-hmm. it's a different business but the other thing i was just going to say that was so interesting to me about it was it was human mm-hmm. um, you know there's those little that page in us magazine that says they're just like us yeah. no matter how much money you have what your business title on your business card there are these feelings that yeah. people have, and, and they're complicated. And I think being able to see that, we often don't have that opportunity. Yeah. So, um, Fascinating interview. Yeah. Great you. job. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Still ahead. Do you have perhaps a Gmail account that you haven't used in a while? Well, you might want to check it out because it could be permanently deleted as soon as tomorrow. We're going to have everything you need to know about that. But first, Tom Yamas is here with a new look at one of the most remarkable survival stories of all time. Hey, Tom. Hey, guys. Good morning. They survived a plane crash 72 days in the frozen Andes. The world thought they were dead until two of them walked out of the mountains. It's the basis for a new Netflix film that's coming up. And right after this break, you'll hear from one of the real life survivors. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Now, 741 with In-Depth Today. This morning, one of the most incredible and most talked about stories of survival of all time, really. Indeed. It happened more than 50 years ago, actually, when a plane carrying a rugby team from Uruguay crashed in the Andes Mountains. Sixteen people managed to survive some 72 agonizing days in brutal conditions. NBC's senior national correspondent Tom Yamas spoke with one of those survivors, now a doctor and a grandfather. Tom, good morning. I bet those memories are still fresh. Oh, they are. Hey, guys, good morning again to you. When you first hear this story, most people ask themselves the same questions. Could I survive out there? Would I do what these young men did to stay alive? I sat down with one of the real-life survivors whose heroic actions saved so many. He says, if you want to get a sense of what it was like, what it felt like, watch this new film to understand life and death in the Andes. Tonight, we have a film of what very nearly amounts to a real miracle. Survivors of a plane crash in the Chilean Andes, the plane went down 10 weeks ago. The 45 people aboard were given up for dead. When the news broke in 1972, the world couldn't believe it. 
Some were injured or suffering from exposure and had to be carried out on stretchers. Others walked right off the rescue choppers to smiles, hugs, and so many questions. How did 16 young men survive a plane crash and more than two months stranded in the mountains, surrounded by snow, with nothing to eat? A new Netflix film, Society of the Snow, revisits the terrifying and later grim events, starting with the crash that tore off the plane's tail and wings. What do you remember about the crash? About the crash, I thought I was going to die. Roberto Canessa was just 19 years old when he and his rugby team boarded that doomed flight to Chile. Was it hard to watch the movie? Uh, yeah, because... I was like immersed in that place again. I was back to the fuselage. Though films like Alive from 1993 have told this story before, Roberto says never like this. The viewers are transported to the actual site of the crash. The production actually setting up a base camp. Everyone living in those extreme conditions. We were shooting at 12,000 feet. Exactly in the same place where the plane crashed at the same time of the year. Director J.A. Bayona and star Enzo Vogrinsic told me the cast and crew also relied on these photos from the actual disaster from a camera the survivors had found on board. Every time you see one of those pictures, you think about who were they, what happened to them. In building his character, Vogrinsic lost 50 pounds, eating just a can of tuna and a tangerine a day. Vogrinsic tells me the fasting and the on-location shoots helped him understand the decisions the survivors had to make, including eating the flesh of the passengers who had died. Talk to me about the moment that you guys decided as a group that you're going to have to eat your loved ones, your teammates, your friends. What was that like? I thought if I would die... I would be proud that my body would be, would be used for, for someone else. In the ultimate act of selflessness, Roberto eventually hiked out of the mountain range with teammate Nando Parrado and announcing to the world they were alive. That teenage hero grew up to become a renowned pediatric cardiologist who says the time in the mountains took so much away from him, but also gave him something he keeps forever. About how to overcome difficulties in life and to have faith in yourself. Wow. Yeah. What are, I mean, to go back that and relive that in such dramatic right. fashion, what are survivors hoping people take away from it? You know, they, they want people to understand life and death, but also that you can overcome difficulties in your life. Roberto has a great quote that he tells people that is, don't wait for your plane to crash, mm. right? Live your life. Do what you want to do. If you love someone, go tell them. Don't wait for that moment. They actually had a private screening for the survivors and their families. And the director tells me when the film ended, there was silence and then thunderous applause. Mm. And all these men who some who hadn't seen each other in decades started crying, embracing again, mm. just like when they had been rescued. And some said they were crying for themselves. Others said they were crying for their their best friends who yeah. survived this with them. Wow. Yeah. Wow, Tom, looks remarkable. Yeah, it does. We got a lot more of the interview tonight on Top Story. You got it. On NBC News Now. We'll see you then. All right, 7.45, 7.46. Let's check in with Al. Check hey in with Al. Good morning. And we're looking at uh, some severe, some really winterly weather from the snow Snoqualmie Pass all the way down to Gallup. We are expecting winter weather advisories, winter storm warnings, as another storm comes on shore. This is just going to be part of a parade of storms right into next week, bringing rain, wind, mountain snow, difficult uh, traffic. 
travel through the Cascades tomorrow. Heavy snow starts to move its way into the Rockies. And so we're looking at heavy rain along the Pacific Northwest coast, anywhere from two to four inches. And some areas in the Cascades could see up to three feet of snow. However, here in the east, you can see we've got current snow depths about six to 12 inches for upstate New York into New England. But We've got a snow drought going on. New York City, it's been 654 days since we've had an inch or snow, uh, an inch of snow in a 24 hour period. 670 days in Baltimore. Richmond, 682 days. DC, 682, 669. That's the longest streak on record for Philadelphia. New York, we've had our longest streak as well. Fourth longest streak in Richmond and fourth longest streak in Washington, D.C. We need some snow. Now that the tree's up, bring it on! And that's your latest weather. Guys, all right. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Coming up, it's a very personal story that I can't wait to share about transforming a home that's been in my family for generations into a special place to help others this holiday season and beyond. Oh, we're looking forward to that, Craig. Also, we'll have your morning boost as well right after this. Joins the table. Carcy, all right, it's time for our morning boost, guys. Anybody who works at the Cleveland Clinic or has been a patient there knows this person. Police officer Eric Hudson. He's been with the medical center for nearly 20 years. He spreads happiness wherever he goes. You see the young man that you see there with Corporal Hudson? That's Mikey. He's a patient at Cleveland Clinic's Children's Hospital, and he really wanted to meet Hudson. Recently, he got his chance. It was his birthday, no less. Hudson taught him some dance moves. They strolled the halls together. Mikey called the meeting joyful and healing. All the beautiful things going on there. Feeling good, Hoda. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Still coming up. You know, this is the time of the year where all the lists start to come out. The best of this, the best of that of the year. We got a good one for you. We're going to reveal the holiday season's hottest toys. Mm. We'll have it for you. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.